Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate, hey, what do you know? A victory. It's fellow Niner Noise contributor, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are we doing? It has never felt so good to be so wrong. <laughs> Although I did say that we needed to keep the Rams around 20 points, which we did. So I gave myself full credit for that. Yeah. And absolutely no credit for the blowout that I thought we were going to suffer through. True, true, true. But can we please play the Rams every week? Absolutely. Like, it doesn't even matter how good they are. The last four times we played them, I think they've had winning records each time. And every time the Niners came back with a W. So I only hope that we can play them one more time this season. Just one more time. Please, please. (laughs) <laughs> they might not have had a winning record when we played them the first time last year. I don't recall because they got off to a bad start last year, as I remember. I believe they were three and two when we played them last year for the first time. I don't know. We were five and zero. Oh, that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, those good times. But yeah, man, it's been fun playing the Rams the last two seasons. These are good times, man. Come on. This is it. This is about as good as the times are going to get right now. Maybe it just feels like the last two years, these matchups between the Niners and the Rams, it seems like the Rams are coming in like they just dismantled some team and everybody's like, oh, look out for the Rams. Here they come. And everyone doubts whether the Niners can win the game. And I think this was even true last season because last year was all about, is this 49ers team for real over and over and over and over and over again? But yep. Here they have. They have now won four in a row against their division rivals. And I'm with you. I'm okay being wrong. I wasn't quite as wrong as you were because I didn't really predict a blowout. But it's good to be wrong in this particular case. Uh, So the Niners won 23-20 on a last-second field goal by Robbie Gould, which I am contractually obligated to say that it wouldn't have mattered if he'd made a kick earlier in the game. Uh, They would have already been up 23-20 to and everything would have been okay. But, you know, there we go. Uh, (laughs) The Niners' offense overcame a a pretty up-and-down performance overall to pull off the final drive to win the game. We'll talk more about the ins and outs of the game here in in a little bit. But it was one of those games, I think the thing that I said to you immediately after the game was over is that this was a game that I would have fully expected them to lose. Oh, and I did 
for the majority of the game. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they got up. They were winning for much of the game, right? But never by enough that you were like, oh, this is over. We got this in the bag. They didn't ever really take an opportunity to, like, kill the game off. And you know, every time that they're like, oh, if you know, if they score a touchdown here, then the game's over. They wouldn't score a touchdown or they'd kick a field goal or something like that. You know, the offense never really got going until the fourth quarter. But even then, they only scored one touchdown and it was in the first quarter. Uh, the other touchdown of the game came on a defensive touchdown. So it's not like this was a world beating situation. But the big thing was that just like last time against the Rams and just like has been the case pretty steadily over the last four times that they have played. 49ers defense held the Rams offense in check. And, you know, the two things that you said <laughs> very tongue in cheek that needed to happen, which were that Jared Goff needed to forget how to throw and Cooper Cup needed to forget how to catch the ball. You know, they didn't shut them out by any stretch of the imagination, but they more or less held them in, in check. And I think that was important this game because the Niners offense was not nearly as potent as it was a few weeks ago when they had the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo and, and George Kittle on the offensive side of the field. I said that they need to, to build a two-plus score lead going into halftime, and I think they led by four. Yep. So that's not quite there, but then jumped out to what, a 17-3 lead, which was like the weakest 17-3 lead that I've ever felt in my life. I'm like, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> that was like halfway through like the third quarter. <laughs> so you're like, it's only a matter of time, and then I think the Rams scored three times in a row, and then yeah. the Niners field goal kicked them to death. Yeah. And it works. Hey, you know, sometimes that works. <laughs> not so much all the time. And that's not really a plan of attack on a regular basis. Well, it sort of is our plan of attack, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another thing altogether. Uh, certainly good to get back in the win column. Certainly good to feel like, you know, we're moving in an upward trajectory, a positive direction. There are, you know, five games left to go in the season, four of which are against NFC conference foes, two of which are against NFC West rivals. And so there's a lot to play for with that extra playoff seed available for the uh, postseason. Hey, it's in the scope. It might not be really close. And there's a lot of things that have to happen on top of, you know, the Niners winning their 10th place right now, as far as the standings go with tiebreakers with Chicago and Minnesota. So those teams would have to lose some games, too, and the Niners are going to have to win. The good news is that the Bears and Vikings play each other one more time. Well, that's good. Uh, so that helps. The bad news is the Vikings and Bears, I think, both get to play the Jags before the end of the season. Not so good. So that happened. You know, Niners won a game on Sunday, and the initial news came out as the Niners were making their trip from San Jose to uh, Los Angeles. News came out that Santa Clara County is going back into a pretty major lockdown due to the coronavirus, COVID-19. And this time, one of the stipulations of the lockdown is that they were, will not be um, not only not having fans for live sports, but basically live sports are canceled within the county. Uh, so that means that Levi Stadium and the practice fields are off limits for the 49ers for at least the next three weeks, which impacts them for the next two weeks where they have home games in back-to-back -back weeks in week 13 and 14. There was a lot of speculation about what the team was going to do, and eventually they came to the conclusion that they were going to play their next two home games. That goes in air quotes for those of you at home who can't see what I'm doing <laughs> and should be there by now. Uh, to spend the next few weeks in Arizona to practice, to play, to basically live in Arizona for the next two and a half, three weeks. Because 
even after they get back, they're going to need some place to be because they can't go back to practice at Levi's quite yet. They have the upcoming game against the Buffalo Bills, and then the Washington football team comes to town to Arizona. Uh, then they play a road game at uh, Dallas, and then they return to Arizona. But this time, <laughs> they get to play a road game in the stadium where they'll have been playing their last two home games. So everybody following me on that. So <laughs> that's two games in Arizona. Those are home games. Then a road game in Dallas. Then a road game in Arizona. It's all kinds of confuddled and all over the place. That final game of that stretch uh, has been officially moved to Saturday after Christmas. That game, it will take place at 4.30 Eastern time, exclusively on Amazon Prime and Twitch. So there you go. 2020. <laughs> there is no word beyond that whether or not uh, the Niners will have one more home game after the Arizona game against Seattle. But if I were a betting man, Chris, and I'm not, but if I were, my guess is the Seahawks are going to State Farm, not Levi's on January the 3rd to play that final game of the regular season. Would you say that's probably the case? I do, but I really wish that we could just play all of our home games in L.A. because they're pretty much home games for us anyway <laughs> the rams are playing the cardinals that last week i'm not sure how that would work out oh yeah i was just kidding it was mostly just a dig at the rams fans <laughs> and just a playful gig just kidding around plus we talked about this earlier in this season that the most likely place for the niners to play if they were forbidden to play in their expensive home stadium where i was promised free hot dogs all season and we had joked that Kevin Newsom hates the Niners and hot dogs and probably apple pie and the flag and freedom and America. And again, just kidding. But now we found out that it's the county of Santa Clara and particularly the leadership that can't stop insulting Shanahan and the 49ers organization in public. And that stadium was State Farm in Arizona because... They love hot dogs and apple pie, and the Niners and the Cardinals have a very limited number of conflicts over the course of the season. And Arizona is relatively close to Santa Clara, and it really would be nice if Arizona allowed fans in the stands because I'm pretty sure that I can get a direct flight from D.C., so let's make that happen. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, the um the final game, the Cardinals and uh, Rams, is at SoFi in Los Angeles. So if the Niners are going to go somewhere, if they can't go to Levi's, it'll probably be back to State Farm. I would imagine that's the way it's going to be. Yes, I agree. All 49er home games are now in Arizona, at least until the playoffs. More than likely. Uh, I can't imagine that they're locking things down now and in like a month. They're going to be like, oh, okay, it's fine. Things could happen from now and then, but if I were, again... Putting money on it, I would guess probably not the way it's going to happen. Yeah, but it does present a little bit of a problem when the county doesn't really seem to want you there. It really forces you to sit back and question the future of Levi's Stadium in its current location. I guess Levi's Stadium will always be in its <laughs> current location because you probably can't put it on a truck and move no, it. I don't, I don't like think that. you can move it. It's I can see big. it now just rolling down 101 with some wide load signs on the back. <laughs> Yeah, they have like a 40-year lease in Santa Clara County, right? Something like that. It sure isn't worth a lot if you can't play games or even practice there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, this is extenuating circumstances for sure. Hopefully, we're not going to do this every year. 
That would be bad. Well, as you know, of course, I've read the contract between the two parties. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's some type of force majeure section in there. Details unknown. But I just don't like the way that the county was just so flippant in the response. Like they were in total control and the Niners had no say in the matter at all. Yeah. I know that there's been ongoing drama between the two parties. And I totally understand they do that a lot around here is they'll cancel sports for couple weeks or a couple months or whatever but not to this magnitude so a lot of times there are no high school or other sports going on at all whether they're contact sports or not but that doesn't apply to professional sports for example prince george's county maryland schools haven't had sports all year long but the maryland i mean washington football team hasn't been precluded from playing their own games i just really think In the end, it's not a good situation when the county that you play in doesn't really seem to like you. Yeah, generally not. Generally not. County doesn't let you play football games there, then it's sort of useless. (laughs) All right. Well, um, on we move to the the injury portion of the program. I was about to say, like, you know, we have an injury portion, right? (laughs) Chris, I am I am delighted to say that this this might be the shortest injury update that we've had all year. Thanks for choosing us. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) uh so you know uh we did have two injuries that resulted in um ir trips for players in the rams game one was uh reserve slot corner jamar taylor who was um holding down the fort for uh kwan williams who i i I don't really know what his status is uh he tore his acl and so he's on the ir and he's obviously done for the year um i don't think he was under contract with us but you know definitely he's going to put his ability to come back and play uh anytime soon in question i did not care for the way that that play worked out he kind of got a little blindsided at the end of a play that was already dead and it it just didn't set right and you know he definitely took a funny step because somebody came in and he wasn't expecting the the contact and it was, of course, a no slash non-contact ACL because that's how we roll this year. But um, uh, hopefully he'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, just in, as a general, you know, like you know, get well soon, Jamar, kind of thing. Yeah. Like we like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, reserve corner and special teamer uh, Ken Webster also went on the IR. He has a hamstring injury um, that I guess is just going to keep him out for at least the next three weeks. Uh, the team also uh, waived newly acquired safety Chris Edwards, who we spoke oh, about last week. I never um, noticed, but they did but later add him really to the practice squad. Handsome. That was announced later today. So that's the main uh, roster moves that that have happened and injury related things. On the uh, sort of good side of the injury news is that uh, Shanahan uh, came during his press conference yesterday, said uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo, you remember him? He's you know good looking quarterback. Huh. I never noticed it before, but now that you say it, he really is pretty handsome. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, yeah, so he said, I believe his exact words were, he's holding out hope that both Garoppolo and Kittle will be ready re- to return before the season is over. Um, so he said that yesterday, but he also announced that um, the mysterious enigma that is Weston Richburg, uh, along with D. Ford and Ronald Blair, are all done for the season. He basically said... I think Rich, Richburg and Blair had complications with whatever surgeries that they had, which is like not cool. <laughs> they go to like Alex Smith's doctor or what? I, I don't know. Oh, that's, oh, 
That's Too bad. soon. Uh, Love you, Alex. <laughs> uh, I saw a post that, that Blair put out, and he said he couldn't specifically say what happened or what the nature of it, but there was a setback, and so that, that kind of thing. Per his attorney's advice, because the lawsuit. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that means he's missed a full season that he was under contract for uh, after he was only re-signed for this one year anyway, after missing, what, basically la- half of last year. Um so that's that's not really a good thing. Hopefully he'll he'll be good to go. I don't know what D Ford and, and Western Richburg are gonna do. I'm not really sure what their contract situations are. I feel like those are things that need to be start <laughs> start to be considered. Um I think I heard the the I'd be surprised if we ever see them back again. That that, that I yeah, I mean, and even to the point where I, I think I heard I've saw like people throwing like retirement out for both of them. Like at this point oh. it's like so bad. Like Especially with Ford, like if we're talking like back injuries. What are you going to do? Like you can't move, man. So which means that, I mean, they'd work out some sort of retirement settlement, I'm sure. But on the very basic level, they'd owe them whatever guaranteed money was left on their contract. And then they would free up whatever is left beyond guaranteed money moving forward. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But who's going to line up two yards off sides? <laughs> on important place. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, so that's, you know, good news, bad news. I think nobody was really expecting anything from either of those three players uh, at any point this year. I mean, Blair, it would have been nice if he could have come back and added a little a little to the defense, especially if they're going to make a playoff run. But, um, you know, having Garoppolo and Kittle back, if the season is starts to take a turn, a further turn in the positive direction would certainly be uh, be really good because the thing is, I think there's still a lot of talent on this team. And if they can get into the tournament, so to speak, at close to full health, who's to say they can't make a little noise in the playoffs when they get there? Yep. You just got to get in. Once you get in, anything could happen. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing is uh, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Jones, and uh, Jordan Willis are off the COVID list. So that, that list is shrinking. Do we have any more players? I think everybody's off. That's good. Off the COVID list. That means far enough in advance that they're probably going to be uh, good to go on Monday because they have an extra day, which is always useful. And then uh, backup linebacker and special teams ace Mark Nazocha had his practice window open to come off the IR hopefully soon. Uh, so that's that's good news because he's a, a useful uh, special teams player, especially with you know somebody like uh, Webster who's not going to be there anymore. I don't know that <laughs> I would feel comfortable with him out on the field on defense, but as a special teams player, he's very useful. And then uh, Kai Nakua, who we talked about last week, the safety um, has been added to the active roster. What with the injuries to Taylor and Webster, as we spoke about. So I think that about does it. You know, relatively light. Chris, any uh, final thoughts before we get into the one up one down section for this week? As for the injuries, Taylor Webster, it's obviously not good for those guys and for the team in general, but I don't think it's a huge loss for the 49ers and their hopes going forward because a playoff caliber team really isn't rostering these guys anyway. Right. Well, I think for the short term, it actually works in the team's favor because it forced the Niners to make the decision that they should have started with, which was putting Emmanuel Mosley in at the slot cornerback anyway. Yeah. Not that he played all that well, but he's going to learn, right? <laughs> I know, but you have three of your top cornerbacks available. Why would you not use all three of them? That's all. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Especially the way that Taylor got burnt a lot in the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. And now that we have some reinforcements on the outside and then we have one Akello Witherspoon, who's apparently on the team for a couple more weeks. I forgot. <laughs> that we, yeah. Yeah. I think we do have him. So we do have some guys 
that can step in if there is a injury, knock on wood, on my head. Um, as for Weston Richburg, is that his name? Yes, that's my understanding. Yeah, so this is just final confirmation that he never existed in the first place. <laughs> I mean, I saw him for a little bit. I remember him out there at some point. He played like last year. He did for like nine or ten games. Yeah, it was a, it was a while. Or somebody was playing in his jersey. Because <laughs> yeah. he got hurt in the Saints game, so he was out there for some period of time. And the grapple and kill news, now we're talking. So yeah, man. Is, Injured as this team is and has been and will continue to be until next year. <laughs> Let's hope not. No, no, I mean, no new injuries, but, you know, Bosa and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah, no yeah. injuries. Again, knock on my head. <laughs> and just how much we've had to overcome in 2020. It's like we don't have a stadium. <laughs> we don't have any consistent quarterback play. We don't have any playmakers that are there from week to week. They're false positive COVID, they're getting injured. Our quarterbacks are playing behind an absolute joke of an offensive line. If the Niners can manage to get into the playoff hunt and get Jimmy and Kittle back, that would really show some resolve and heart from the team. And if that happens, if I were an opposing team, the Niners would not be a squad I want to face. Yeah, especially because they'll have that proverbial chip on their shoulder too, like Nobody thought we were going to be able to do this, and here we are. And very uh, Giants, what was that, 2007 against the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl? They were like 9-7, and seven, yeah. right? When they went like 0-4 oh or something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were 9-7 and seven and won the Super Bowl, and they had that very much like whatever. Catching balls on our head, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Again, you get into the end of the tournament, and weird things going to happen sometimes. Yeah, who knows? Absolutely. So that's all I have to say about that. Cool, man. Give me some one up and one down. I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, I will say I'm excited to finally hopefully see Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel in the field at the same time. Let's just say that. That will also be good. Yes, we need that badly. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right, one up, one down for the Rams game. Chris, up. Hit me with it. Go. Okay. Robert Sala owning McVay once again. And I can't explain it. <laughs> but there's no denying it. And while it makes absolutely no sense, I'm not dumb enough to question it. And I think that the best thing about all of that is we have renewed the talk of Robert Sala, the head coach in 2021. And to that, I say, pretty please. <laughs> so outside of that, I have a trio of ups and I'll be quick. Mm-hmm. And they come from the defensive side of the ball because you picked the offensive side of the ball and I'm angry at you. <laughs> but we have some good guys on defense too. We got Jimmy Ward who learned how to play football and was possessed by something on Sunday. Hopefully not Satan, hopefully something good, <laughs> but he <laughs> was all over the place to the point where the broadcasters were like seeing his praises and I was getting mad at the broadcasters. I'm like, he's not any good, but he was good. Yeah. And he's just flying all over the place. Like the player that we thought we drafted six years ago. And I don't know what got into him, but, I think it was more than that, but no. see, he was something else, man. He just played a great game. He did, and I think Sherman's return and just his presence on the field. Yeah, because personally, I think that Sherman's a little bit overrated. I think he's a little bit old, and I think you can abuse him if you really want to. But he just has his presence on the field, and quarterbacks just don't want to throw it. 
anywhere near him. And then when they do, they just throw it. Mm-hmm. They throw it right at him, or or directly <laughs> like, to him. I've never seen a cornerback <laughs> catch so many passes just thrown thrown right at him that there's no one else around. But that's probably why he has so many interceptions. Also, because he used to be very good. He baited Jared Goff <laughs> so bad yeah. he had never had a chance. Yeah. I wonder if Jared like threw that ball and went, "Oops, shouldn't done that." <laughs> yep, he was definitely in Jared's head. And then, of course. Rookie does the tackle. Javon pick six Kinlaw, mm. who showed some serious athleticism by not only catching Goff's errant pass, but then doing what he was born to do, <laughs> and that is run it back for a touchdown. He took it to the crib, I believe, is what he said. It was his uh, was his quote? He should have many, many nicknames for the multiple pick sixes he has in the future. That's- so I expect this to be the first of many, <laughs> many. Pick sixes for the big man. That's a, yeah, it was love, amazing. love that. Love that baby. Big man touchdowns are the best. Yeah, definitely on board with all three of those those guys. Um, I thought uh, Ward's situation was interesting in that how it pertains to the decision to finally use Tarvarius Moore in the defensive backfield and how it relates to that. And I wonder if that had anything to do with his ability to suddenly not feel so controlled i guess is is a way of thinking about it you know he was not like the one deep safety like i have to hold down the back end or nobody's going to hold down the back end type of thing and so it freed him up he was almost playing like a strong safety all over the place allowed to roam and, and cover a lot of grounds and you almost wonder if at this point in his career maybe that's where he's better off he's never been like the fastest guy but tarvarius moore is the fastest guy and so maybe that combination is the way to go moving forward with those two. And I know a lot of people have been calling for, you know, for more to play more frequently. And I think my hand is risen right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is maybe the way to make it work in that, you know, traditional strong safeties are probably out the window at this particular point. Anyway, like a big bruising Marcel Harris type is just not the type of person that you need playing out there. Um, and so I think they sort of stumbled upon this, <laughs> this combination, uh, via injuries and other things, but I think it worked. I think it brought out something in ward that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, it takes away, uh, things like the fact that he would have to, uh, you know, like catch the ball when it's thrown at him type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Force the fumbles. Don't try to catch interceptions. Yeah. Forcing fumbles. Totally good. Let Kinlaw do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's sad when your defensive tackle has better hands than your safety, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they, you know, Ward in particular, his game was predicated on on them making different decisions. Um, and, you know, I think you saw that, you know, like in the Super Bowl, too, with with when Moore was out there, that Ward was able to, to free up and, and do different things. Um, you know, he's going to be around for at least a couple more years, uh, given the, the contract. Yeah. We're stuck with him, so might as well find a place for him. Yeah, so I think I think maybe this is this is it. Um, you know, Tart's probably done. Um, he's on IR, so he's done for the year, and he's a free agent. So I think there's a a pretty good likelihood that we have the safety group of Ward, Moore, Marcel Harris will still be here, and then you know somebody else, maybe uh, maybe uh, the the kid out of out of Alabama is a, a future, or they draft somebody or something, but. I think this this has got to be the the starting safety pair moving forward, and then definitely good to have Sherman back. 
and then Javon Kinlaw is, is fun. <laughs> and that was that was my favorite touchdown of, of 2020 so far, for sure. The Ayuk touchdown was pretty sweet, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's up there, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's always fun when a big guy takes one back for sick. I like that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, my up, as you not so deftly alluded to. Because I'm angry. <laughs> well, you know, get to the get to the thing faster. That's all I got to say. Yep. In my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in your face uh, is the one and only uh, Mr. Uh, Debo Samuel, who is uh, back and, you know, he's back to being himself. Uh, he's Debo being Debo. And um, hopefully this massive output on Sunday will not get him drug tested again, um, as we talked about last time. Like eight more times this year. Eight more times. Yeah, <laughs> They're like... You ran by four different players at the same time. You must be on PEDs. But the thing is, he's not a member of the Texans organization, so he's probably okay. (laughs) Debo, career highs in receptions with 11 and yards. I think think receiving yards is the number uh, with 133 because he's definitely had more than 133 total yards in a game before. Targeted 13 times, so caught almost all the passes. And then here, Chris, my favorite stat of the entire week. 136 yards after the catch. Sounds about right. <laughs> you mean like for a season or what? <laughs> that number. No, no, no. For the game. Yeah, 133 yards total and 136 yards after the catch. <laughs> that number is higher than his total yardage. Welcome to Shanahan's offense. <laughs> Which means that when Nick Mullins threw the ball to him, it was a total of negative three yards in the air Yeah, for all 11 catches, which is truly wild. <laughs> I don't think that the four hours going to be breaking any records for air yards this year. That's for sure. <laughs> Not at all. Now, you have to take into account the fact that two or three of them were those sort of jet sweep things, which count as passes. And those automatically count as like negative five air yards because he's all the way because he's in the shotgun. He's all the way behind the line of scrimmage. So some of that is that like he did have. I think the uh, play on the last drive that he caught and took it down to close to midfield, the he threw the ball like you know fifteen yards in the air. Um, so some of that is is a little bit is 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 a little bit misconstrued by some of these these jet sweeps and these and these wide receiver screens and stuff like that, which count as like negative yards and and that sort of thing. But um, it is it is just a very interesting statistic <laughs> to see that um, that Debo basically did all the work. Is what I'm trying to say. Mullen still had over seven yards attempt, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It worked. <laughs> it's all that matters. Yeah, for sure. I think it's safe to say that this this team missed Debo Samuel over the last couple of weeks. He's just massively good with the ball in his hands. And he is the type of guy that can be trusted in big situations to catch the ball most of the time. And now he hasn't played very much this year, but his hands seem to be a little bit more sure than they were last year when he had several drops on the season, but I don't remember any major situations where he's just like dropped the ball um, so far this year. He had one this last week and maybe one earlier in the year, but it's a vast improvement over his rookie season. That's yeah, for yeah. sure. So he seems to be improving in that area, but the aforementioned long pass on the, on the game winning drive that really, cause that thing was looking like it was going to stall. Um, it was definitely heading in that direction, and then Debo bailed him out again, as he does. He's fast, deceptively fast, I guess you could say. He's sneaky fast. Because he doesn't look like he's running that fast, and then all of a sudden he is. It's kind of a, a little bit of a mind trick. But he's also you know, good at, at making people miss by either running them over or refusing to go down or carrying them uh, or just 
you know, juking him out or whatever. I uh, saw somewhere the other day that he leads all receivers in broken tackles over the last two seasons. And that includes the fact that he's only played in like three and a half games mm-hmm. this year. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. He's the best. Uh, Chris, where's my Debo jersey? That's all I got to ask. Well, I'll make you a deal. If we get into the playoffs, the white 19 jersey is yours. Whoop, whoop. Deal? All right. Deal. Yeah. Or even if we make like a good run. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, that went down significantly. <laughs> From, yeah, really, you got to right. make the playoffs too. Well, you know. Uh, yeah. Although you have made it more subjective now. It's like a good run. What does that mean? Like, yeah, for close. We're getting the last game or two and we're still. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's cool, right? All right. All right. Cool. All right. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. All right. You listeners here at Niner Noise, you, you have heard. Watch me edit uh, that Chris, out. You, you'll, you'll have to hold him to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's my my up. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that before you get to your down? Well, actually, my down has something to do with that. So how about that? All right. <laughs> Ooh, segue. Go. Watch out. So my down is the entire offense other than Devo. And our trash offensive line is definitely part of that. Outside of Williams and Thomason, who both played pretty well. As for the offensive line, it's just gotten too bad. McGlinchey, Brunskill, McKivitz, Grassu, however you want to pronounce this name. Doesn't matter, you can't block. None of them can block. Like, they can't block the way out of a paper bag. They're horrible. Did he play? Only a little bit, thank goodness. But this offseason, the foreigners need to replace preferably three starting offensive linemen, or maybe hope that they can get away with replacing just two of them and then hiding the third in between them because there is zero chance that this team can have a top offense or any team could have a top offense with these three guys on the line. They are horrible. Now for Debo. The Fortnite's offense currently runs through Debo sample. The Niners had 15 drives on Sunday. If Debo was highly involved in the drive, they scored. If he wasn't, they didn't score. Simple as that. First quarter. No touches on the first drive. They punt. No touches on the second drive. Interception. 59 yards on the third drive. Touchdown. Fourth drive, no touches, fumble, which really shouldn't count because it's on the first play, but it does because I said so. <laughs> Second quarter, three yards, punt. No touches, punt. Three yards, punt. No touches, miss field goal. Second half, no touches, punt. 26 yards, field goal. No touches, fumble, which also shouldn't count, but it does because I said so. No touches, punt. No touches, punt. Two key receptions, field goal, 35 yards, field goal. It's all Debo. Yeah. I mean, obviously you need to get him the ball, but it's not very difficult to get him the ball the way that they were getting the ball. Although some of those slants, he's being like blanketed and he still comes with the catch. But their offensive line is so bad, they make Mostert look bad. And that's like saying something. And I would be scared to put Jimmy behind this offensive line because you saw what happened before. And Mullins, I mean, sometimes Mullins is just running for his life. Like, you know, he has a guy in the backfield as soon as he gets the ball. It's just not okay. And we need to do something about this. And I don't think that we have anybody on the team that can fix this problem. So we need to get somebody on the team who can fix this problem. And I know we'll have to wait for the offseason, but hopefully we can scheme our way into success in the meantime. But as a long-term issue... It's a problem. Yeah. So we need to fix it and we need to fix it right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your your point about about Debo and his importance and especially on Sunday is another reason why, as I mentioned before, that having Brandon Ayuk on Monday night will be very helpful. Oh, yeah. Because the ability that both of them have with the ball in their hands and the fact that you can put them in very similar situations and they're able to be successful. You know, I think deep down somewhere inside of Ayuk, there is a deep threat receiver somewhere in there. Uh, we just don't have the quarterbacks at this particular point to <laughs> to do that, especially in the current situation. But get the ball to them, let them do their thing, and it will make everything better. And then hopefully other things will improve um, on top of that. But it's kind of a minor miracle that they won this game considering they had one offensive player who was successful. One amazing offensive playmaker who just must be on PEDs because otherwise there's no way he could be that good. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's really it because Reed didn't do much on the second to last drive. They had that orbit fake screen to Bourne and then we threw it to Juice. So that's obviously a nice play. And, you know, Bourne had a couple of catches and then we have the one play to Richie James. And I mean, James is basically just clearing out defenses all day long. That's all he's doing. And they weren't even looking to throw at him. Caught one pass. So when you get Ayuk in there and you actually need to worry about him, then that's when this gets fun. Yeah. Well, and... And when you... Oh, when you get Kittle in there, that's when it gets really fun. <laughs> ah. Well, that'll that'll be really good. But, you know, not looking too far ahead. But... And that actually plays directly into my down. Look at us. We are in fuego here on the... Uh, Caliente. On the Niner Noise podcast with our fusion of ideas. Yeah. If you didn't know any better might actually think that I know what I'm doing. Um, and that is the thing that is basically becoming my version of, of Taysom Hill. Oh, no. Trains off the tracks. There is only one Taysom Hill. No, uh, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, I can't stop talking about this in the same way that you can't stop talking about Taysom. Okay, so you've been enlightened, and now you must educate the masses. And and that's the fact that we've been ruining the, the lack of, of running backs the last couple of weeks and how it has impacted the... Uh, our ability to run the ball. Um, and uh, sad news for you, Chris. Uh, two of our top running backs came back on Sunday. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, both back, both playing. Uh, it didn't really make it a whole lot better, <laughs> to, just to be totally honest with you. Um, now, part of that is, as we alluded to earlier, the timing of when the Niners elected to run, uh, such as like first down and second and long and places like that. Um, part of it is the Rams were definitely intent on stopping the run and making Mullins beat them and um, prove to be a losing game plan. You know, to, to Mullins' great credit, he eventually did. And when given the opportunity, he often did. You know, I think he was, you know, he had a pretty decent game on Sunday, all things considered, especially in the fourth quarter. They ran the ball for 3.5 yards per carry, which is, you know, eh, eh. both bad and expected. It's 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 OK. You know, it would get you a first down every three plays, which it's, I guess, is the goal. They measure successes four yards on first down. It's not really a a, a great number, right? It's uh, it's not what you're looking for. You want your yards per carry number to be up, you know, four, four plus, that kind of thing to for an, in an ideal situation. I think part of it is, again, the Rams really focusing on the run, stacking the box, that sort of thing. I think we're also dealing with two running backs who are coming off of injury, playing their first game in a long time. Um, I think both of them kind of looked like they were still sort of shaking off the rust. Both of them fumbled the ball. There was definitely some them not sort of 
being quite up to speed in that regard. And, you know, Mostert never really hit that point where he was, you know, you felt like he was going to break one or anything along those lines. I think he was under two yards of carry actually for the game. So hopefully another week of practice, get these guys back in the swing of it and they'll be looking in a little bit of better shape. But it continues to to be concerning because it just it, it doesn't seem to be getting any better at this point. But hopefully, again, with time and uh, some cohesion of the, the running backs, it will it will improve. So we'll see how that goes. I'd argue that it's not totally Mostert's fault. He was meeting a lot of defenders in the backfield. Right. And Shane just doesn't know when to stop running behind his joke offensive line and particularly on early downs like he needs to switch it up he needs to run the ball when the other team isn't expecting it (laughs) and his insistence on running on early downs again almost prevented the 49ers from winning the game for the umpteenth time so if you get one taysom then i want two taysoms and my second taysom is shanahan's misunderstanding of when to run the football Running the football should not be an early game of objective. You should run the ball only as much as you have to. And running the ball does not set up play action. It actually hurts play action. Running the ball one out of the last 10 plays is all you need for successful play action. Anything more and you're wasting EPA. There's no reason why I should know this and that Shanahan does not. (laughs) Now, the 49ers are lucky they have most on the team because sometimes he can make up for his officer coordinator's play calling errors. Yeah. Uh, you could definitely tell the difference when Mostert was in the game, especially the beginning. It's a lot of people on Twitter and you're like, oh, okay, he's back. I feel so much better now. <laughs> but if no one feels like blocking anybody, there's not really not a lot that he can do. Like we talked about before that you can have some bad blocking on the line and Mostert can still take it for six. But if you have half of your line or three-fifths of your line just blocking absolutely poorly and just not blocking their eye, then you're not going to have a running game if the other team's expecting it. And I think that a lot of the NFL has learned how to stop the 49ers outside running game with the running backs, and that is to put everybody on the defensive line. And it works pretty well because we don't have very good offensive linemen. And when we have the opportunity to throw the ball, when other teams stack the box and put everyone on the line, Shanahan just won't throw on our other downs. He just won't do it. You know, we have Shanahan. We have a great offensive mind. He should be able to figure it out. This has been going on for a while now, months and months. So get on it. All right. Sounds good. I'll immediately go fix it right now. Oh, no, no, not you. Okay. I was like, I don't have any control over this. You know, nobody's paying me to do that. So that's not really my job. But anyway, this is just a podcast. All you have to do is watch the games over and over and over and analyze the stats, make observations, form opinions, argue your points, and then talk me through all the losses. You don't really have to do anything. Fortnite are supposedly hire coaches, expensive coaches, to coach well and even win sometimes yeah i'll do it anyway i'll try um where are you offensive line coach where have you gone silver alert still out there baby (laughs) (laughs) um so it is time to move on to uh the conversation about uh the upcoming game uh so the niners have that that aforementioned quote-unquote home game in arizona on monday night against the buffalo bills uh the current leaders in the uh nfc east I believe that's still the case. AFC East. They definitely would be winning. The, AFC everybody East. would be. I mean, everyone's leading NFC in the East. NFC East. Yeah. So, 
uh, the AFC East, yes, sorry, uh, with the uh, Dolphins right behind them and the Patriots in uh, third place. Um, strange. Uh, so, Chris, uh, this, uh, this has been a pretty solid Bills team uh, this year. Um, but is there a particular weakness about them that you think that the Niners can exploit on Monday night that might help them win the game? Outside of their pass rush, which will be a problem for us, <laughs> their defense isn't that great. But I think you're going to get into that in a moment. So on offense, I mean, none of the running backs really scare me. They do have Diggs at wide receiver. They have Beasley. And now Brown is on the reserve. So otherwise, they really just spread the ball around. I think anybody has more than a handful of touchdowns. Overall, they have a point differential of plus 17, although they're 8-3. So they may be the 2019 Seahawks of 2020. If you look at the Niners, they're 5-6. and six. They have a point differential of 7. So these teams aren't too different as far as points scored and points allowed. So to win this game, the 49ers need to exploit, and this probably isn't what you're expecting. <laughs> Up-and-coming quarterback, Josh Allen, who needs to continue reverting to his 2018-2019 form when he was the worst and least accurate quarterback in the NFL. Last year, he sort of was in a competition with Kyler Murray as far as passing the ball and accuracy, but 2018 and 2019 together, he was by far the worst quarterback who was a starting quarterback in the NFL. So this year... It looked like Allen totally transformed over the first handful of games. And I know because I started him many times in the fantasy and he gave me many points. But unfortunately for him, he followed that up with a bunch of very subpar performances. And then a couple weeks ago, a good game against Seattle. And then he's looked sort of bad ever since. So over the course of the season, he has five, what I would call, stellar performances. And they were all wins. He's had one respectable performance, which was a win over the winless Jets. And he's had five bad performances where he and the Bills have gone two and three. So over the three wins, it wasn't playing at a very top tier level. His opponents were combined five and 20 at the time he played them. And we're a lot better than five and 20. So Allen really needs to return to his roots of horrible football that he had in 2018 and 2019. Unfortunately, of course, Allen is quite adept at running the ball, especially in short yardage situations and in the red zone. And Robert Sala has proven he has absolutely no idea how to defend that. And Allen is a lot faster than our front four. Mm-hmm. So our linebackers really need to come to play as well. Isn't everybody a lot faster than mm, our yeah, front definitely. four? I think most quarterbacks are. No disrespect to our front four who they're doing well. Yeah. Great job, guys. We love you guys. But you are big and fat. But sometimes <laughs> <laughs> have magnificent dives into the end zone. So just keep picking those interceptions and take it back for six. I think this game really just comes down to whether Allen is the Allen of old or the Allen of a handful of games this year. Yeah. And if Salah can finally figure out how to defend mobile quarterbacks. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that's that's true. And the uh, 
But I think of the two sides of the ball, um, I think the, the defense is definitely the, the weaker of the two uh, major sides for this team, which is very interesting. They were uh, a top 10 defensive team by DVOA last year. Um, and I think, you know, the more traditional counting stats were even kinder to them. They were they were they were good um, last year. And, uh, you know, part of the reason that the team was actually able to. To, to sneak into the playoffs, I believe, uh, last year, in spite of, you know, Allen's being sort of inconsistent uh, in his uh, sophomore year in the NFL. By DVOA, the Bills um, have a pretty poor run defense. They're 22nd in the league. They're at negative 3.5%. It's uh, actually, interestingly enough, despite the fact that they were uh, top 10 defense by DVOA overall last year, that's right about where they finished in uh, run defense in terms of their position in the league uh, last year, which is just kind of interesting, but, uh, their passing defense has taken a, a little bit of a tumble. They're 15th, 5.1%. Um, and their total defense of DVOA is, uh, 16th overall at 1.2. So they've dropped, uh, you know, seven spots, I believe is where they were. They were right at number, number nine last year, uh, from where they finished last year. So that's going to account for some of the differences. Now, here's a couple of other, uh, fun stats that I got mostly related to their ability to stop the run and kind of talks about that in more uh, depth. So they're 19th in adjusted line yards, uh, 25th in running back yards, which means they're giving up a lot of yards, 32nd in second level yards, and 28th in explosive run plays given up. Now, I really like that last statistic. As does Mostert. <laughs> yes, right. Because if you combine the fact that their their line is giving up a lot of yards at the point of attack, which is what those adjusted line yards are, are talking about, right? And the second level is the worst in league in, ter- in terms of giving up yardage. It stands to reason that they're going to give up a lot of explosive plays. I would think that Raheem Mostert would be very excited to go up against this group of uh, defenders where there might be a lot of opportunities for him to make several long explosive runs. Now, the offense, as you alluded to, is basically they're they're all about throwing the ball. They're sixth in passing DVOA, 32.6%, but they are 22nd in rushing DVOA at negative 14.8. As you noted, you keep Josh Allen under control and keep him in the pocket. That's the, the biggest thing here, I think. There's a, a recipe here for success. This is not an unbeatable team by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's going to look, I think, a lot like the last couple of weeks, right, Uh, against the Saints and against the Rams, where it's like if the defense can do enough, it's going to come down to can the offense score enough points to win the game. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to, which seems like an oversimplification. But I think that's just kind of the way this team is is operating. The offense is not quite up to speed. Uh, They're still missing a lot of players there. The defense has maintained a lot better than the offense has this year. Um, and so I think that's what it's going to come down to. I'm always scared of my boy, Diggs. Yeah, University of Maryland. Actually, I don't know if he graduated or not, but he did go there <laughs> for, for a few years. So, I mean, Diggs is someone to worry about, but without Brown out there, stretch the field. Unless Beasley goes off. I don't know. I don't feel too bad about this one. All right, uh, um, so let's move on to uh, the predictions for the Monday Night Football clash with the Buffalo Bills. First of all, I just want to say that one thing that I said about last week's game that was very accurate was all the field goals. Um, I actually only missed the number of field goals by one because I said the Niners were going to score 20 points. They scored 23. I just did not expect them to win, but I was in the right neighborhood in terms of lots of field goals. They scored one touchdown, um, not again. 
Kinlaw pick six. Amazing. Let's have that happen on a regular basis. Um, and you know, as it turns out, that was basically the difference in the game as a, you know, so to speak, but I just needed to say that for my own well-being and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so based on all the things that we just talked about and based on the fact that, you know what, we just won a game that this, this team just won a football game that nobody expected them to win. And so I'm going to ride the high, right? I'm thinking we're starting to see some positivity in the healthiness of the team improving. Players are coming back. You know, there's going to be some players like Nick Bozo who are not coming back at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe you just get the right number of guys back enough to do the job. Maybe there's just just a little bit in there. And so I'm going to jump on the wave here a little bit. And so I'm going to make a prediction for Monday night. A Monday night football upset. Very similar to the one that we just saw. But this time I'm going to go Niners 27, Bills 24. Maybe another Robbie Gould late game winner. I don't know. Maybe it's a, you know, Nick Mullins touchdown pass to Debo Samuel late in the game, you know, down 24, 20, something like that. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going with victory because why not? Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. So maybe the Niners will actually have home field advantage now. <laughs> they've won one game at Levi's all year long, I believe. And I assume that was against the Rams because we beat them all the time. Yeah, it's not been good. And everything else has been on the road. So... Hey, let's win another one on the semi-road at home. So the line on this game is over under 48, and it opened at 2.5 down to 1.5, which I like. That's Bills 24-25, 49ers 23-24-ish, somewhere in there. So I really like your score, 27-24. Yeah. I didn't even. I didn't even make. I didn't even see the line of the over under. I just sort of just like. I like it. It's with my heart, man. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, I felt it. I'm gonna go with your heart too. So I'm gonna go weird. One point more. Very weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go. 49ers 27, Bills 23. All right. I like it. I'm down with that. A little more red zone defense. A little more Ben. A little less break. Yeah, man. All the field goals. Who's who's kicking for the Bills these days? Is it still Steven Hauschka? Is he still their kicker? Oh, they have somebody good. Picked him up one week in fantasy. Hard hitting questions here on the Niner Noise podcast. Who is it? Oh, Bass, 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 Bass. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Ronnie Bass. No, no, I'm just kidding. Like Tyler Bass or something like that. It is time to go. Um, <laughs> he's, he's good though. He's good. Pretty good. So. Oh. Good deal. All right. He can kick all the field goals he wants as long as we score more points than he is. And he scores field goals. That's all I got to say. All right. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening uh, to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers in Arizona.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.